audio sounds great. Yeah, audio sounds great. Um, so yeah, Rob, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today because growing up in Vineland, I'd always pass uh, the facility over on Oak Road, your uh, old warehouse. Well, I guess it was the first warehouse. You can tell us about that. But yeah, I'm always wondering, like, what the heck goes on in there? Uh, Garden State Highway products. And, um, you know, here we are years later, we've become somewhat friends. And, you know, here we are on the podcast. So yeah, yeah um, sure. I, I tell you what, Jared, uh, most people have that, that same reaction. You know, they don't realize uh, what's going on inside our doors. Um, but, you know, it, it's always a good feeling giving not only just customers, but family, friends, um, anybody that's interested interested in traffic signs or, or just what we're doing in there to give them a tour and to see their faces and their reactions throughout the process of bringing them through the facility. Uh, it, it's gratifying uh, because not only is it educational, but, you know, you could see that the people we're bringing through really enjoy learning about uh, the traffic signs that we're making and especially seeing them. I tell you, uh, most tours typically have pit stops throughout the way where group photos are taken especially with our large overhead guide signs. They don't realize how large they are when you're driving down the highway, um, looking up at them. And so you're standing next to one and you're looking 20 feet up in the air. That's when you realize how massive these signs can be. And I know uh, driving down, uh, taking my commute on the way home, um, the amount of signs that are there. There's a lot, there's a lot. And there's always being more added um, and, you know, Looking back at, at things now, now that I've been in the business for over 10 years full time, um, you know, it's something I've always questioned is why they don't teach more about the meaning of traffic signs during driver's ed in, in high school. So that's where you're really, you know, the most anxious to get behind the wheel. And, and that's the time where that learning experience takes place. A lot of signs that are out there, you know, they're confusing. Um, some are symbols that, that, you know, if you don't know exactly what it means, you're, you're going to be clueless when you see it on the road. So that's something that I really think that can be increased in the future is more education early on on what exactly traffic science means. So there's not so much confusion out there because to your point, there's so many of them, you know, so if you're seeing things that you don't recognize, especially traveling to other states, countries, you know, to, to even go above and beyond, um, you know, it could really be confusing. You mentioned customers touring the facility and then you know, if you're not in the United States, um, if you can't tell us who your customers are, like um, what types of entities purchase signs from you? I tell you, we got a little bit of everything. Uh, the bulk of our, our clients are government agencies. We work with the federal government, um, state government, and then all the way down to your county and local levels. The beauty of our industry is the minor complexities that are involved. Uh, there's a set standard for the way signs need to be made and, and um, a certain way that you're supposed to put things on the roadway to be safe and uniform. So there is a federal standard that's called the MUTCD, the Manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices. We like to call that our traffic sign Bible. Uh, but over and above that, we also have to abide by state specifications. The state of New Jersey might do it different than the state of California. Not might, they actually do do it differently. Um, and every state has their own little nuances. And then it even goes down into the county level. Cumberland County might have different specifications than Salem County or Atlantic County. And then even down to the, to the city local roads, Vineland and Millville, you know, they've got to take ownership of, of their roads and what they're responsible for. Um, and what they do might slightly vary from the county. 
So it's, it's very important that we meet those specifications. Um, but outside of our government customers, we service a large array of contractors. Uh, we have a, a very, very large group of wholesale accounts that are buying from us and reselling. Um, we also service retail accounts as well. Um, when I say retail, I mean like Wawa, you know, their facility maintenance crew, they're buying the product from us and they're putting it in themselves. So they're the end user. Um, but, you know, I think even over top of that, these aren't our big dollar sales, but they tend to be more fun and more gratifying uh, when someone comes in our shop and they're looking for a Christmas present for their husband, wife, son, or daughter, um, you know, going away presents, things like that. You know, we do a lot of novelty gifts as well. We've even had opportunities in the past to work on movie, uh, movie productions. So we've been contacted by Sony, uh, Columbia Pictures. Uh, we actually did most of the signs on Spider-Man 2. Uh, so that was a lot of fun getting to work on those projects. That is pretty cool. And I mean, where do you even start getting contracts with the federal government? And uh, this was founded by your father, right? This company? Okay, so this is a long story. So my parents have been in the industry for over 40 years now, uh, both my mother, Sharon, and my father, Bob. They were working for a company um, back when they first got into it, and they were actually the ones making the signs. So my parents were hands-on uh, production crew. Um, they elevated through the ranks with that company, and they eventually moved up to North Jersey. Uh, they live in Oakland and they worked for Jay Fletcher Kramer. Uh, they ran the entire Kramer sign shop up in North Jersey. Um, came a time where they made a decision and a risk at that to sell their house up in North Jersey, which worked out well for them at the time, and start their own business back in their hometown of Millville. Uh, they started out with three people, that included my parents. And um, through the years, you know, we, we've moved twice. We originally started in Millville down on Fowler Road, uh, moved to Vineland in 2001 to the Oak Road property that, that you had mentioned earlier. And now we just marked our fourth year anniversary of moving into our new property in Millville. Beautiful building as well. It is. It is. And just so you know, too, so my mother is actually the president of the company and my father is the vice president. Uh, so we are a a women-owned company, a WBE. Um, so that is something that helps us tremendously in terms of the government contracting world. That's uh, pretty awesome um, that mom's at the, you know, the helm of the company. Um, I, I respect that. I know, you know, my mom, I don't know if you know this, Rob, my mom's a superintendent of a school district. And, um, you know, some of these leadership roles can be male dominated and that's, you know, not really fair, you know, so your mother seems pretty powerful um, in, in uh, her persuasiveness, at least in uh, her leadership abilities. So do you, um, which parent do you possess, you know, the most traits from, like, who do you see in yourself the most? I got to be careful how I answer this because they might <laughs> hear this podcast. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, my father was always a perfectionist. He, he still is to this day, but he demands uh, a certain standard to be set and met. Um, you know, he always had the clean, the cleanest car, 
He always had, you know, the most maintained lawn. It's just how he is. Um, it was built in him and he's a workaholic. Um, I think I've gotten my work ethic and my, my passion for the business from my father. Um, I think that a, a lot of the, the traits um, that he possesses in terms of making sure that we're going to do something, we're, we do it 100% and we do it right. Uh, you know, we don't do anything halfway. If, if we're going to spend any time and, and invest ourselves and our energy in completing a goal or a task, uh, that we're going to make sure that we get it done and get it done right. And if we trip up, we learn from those lessons and, and do it again the right way. Um, you know, he, he helped me be a strong person, not only outside of work, but in the business world as well. Um, he's got a name for himself. He, he's a tough guy, uh, but he's, he's got a, a big heart um, and he's an extremely generous man. And I, I've learned so, so much from him through the years. Uh, my mother, um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, she is, she's the glue to our company and our family, more importantly, our family. Um, you know, being a family owned business, you know, it's big for us that, that we push our family goals and our family values to the company ranks. Um, and she's really, she's looked up to by a lot of our employees as, as the glue that she's been for our company. Um, and she, she does it all. She knows it all. I mean, she's a very smart, intelligent woman. Um, and she's got a, a strong business sense about her. Um, so, you know, it's hard to pinpoint certain tasks because, or certain, um, traits that I picked up from them because they're both genuinely great people. Um, and I feel, you know, blessed. I have a lot of gratitude that I was lucky enough to be, to be born in this family. You know, you can't pick your family, but they've, they've really set me up for success. You know, it's my job now to, to take that and run with it, make them proud. I love that, man. I mean, <clears throat> I love that you, you, uh, it's not really what you said. It's how passionate you were speaking about it. Like um, for our listeners, like we're doing this over Zoom and we had some technical difficulties with the video. I can't see Rob, but I know I could just hear in his voice, like um, how genuine your comments were and the passion you spoke with it. I love that, man. Um, I love having conversations with interesting people. So um, that's, that's, that's really cool to hear about your dad as a perfectionist and your mom being like the family matriarch and instilling the values through the company. Can't say enough about that. Like no wonder why you guys are so successful. Well, um, listen, you know, no one, no one's perfect. You know, we, we've, we all have our hiccups, we all have our ups and downs. Um, but it's that family bond and that mentality that, that brings you out of it stronger than ever. Um, so the, the team that we have between my parents, myself, my sister, um, but not only that, you know, we've, we've got cousins, uh, aunts, uncles. I mean, we have a lot of our family involved with the business, but outside of that, you know, we, anyone that's worked there, um, whether they're still there or have gone on to other careers, uh, you're always part of the Garden State family. You know, it, 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 that's a bond that is never broken. And I think that's a testament to um, the people that my parents are. And outside of that, the other family that's that's involved with our business, um, you know, it's not easy working with family. It is no. not at all. And we've had our struggles, um, but it's also a blessing at the same time. As long as you learn to keep work at work and home at home, um, you know, which we've done well with. Um, but as long as you can can do that and maintain that, um, it, it gets it gets easier. And successful.
Yeah, it's certainly hard to do for sure. Um, and learning from the mistakes, you know, can, we can't talk about that enough. Um, 2021 was one of those years personally in business and personal life for me, learning from mistakes. And like, you can't, you learn eventually, like there's an aha moment where like, wow, you really can't go back and change it. Like that, you can't worry about it. What's done is done. But the one thing you can do is, is learn about it. So my question to you is like, what is uh, something that has stuck with you that like you made a mistake, but it stick with you to this day. Maybe your parents had made the mistake that they tell you, you know, every day or every uh, a quarterly meeting, like, and remember, but you know, what's one thing that you always kind of carry with you that you can't make that mistake again, not so <sighs> much the mistake, but just like maybe the lesson you took away from it. I tell you, um, there's, we've all had ton, you know, plenty of mistakes to look back on. I don't know if I can pinpoint one that I've held on to maybe early on in my professional career. Um, a lot of what I've been trying to do is, is focus on not carrying stress further than where it needs to be carried because it can be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually draining. Um, I actually just recently saw a piece, um, I think it was on Instagram, and it really stuck with me and it, it, it talks right to the point that we're trying to make here. Uh, a professor, I believe it was Yale, was making an analogy to his class and he held up a glass of water and he asked the class how heavy the absolute weight of the glass of water was. He got multiple replies, eight ounces, 12 ounces, 16 ounces. And he looked back at the class and said, the absolute weight of the water doesn't matter as long as I'm holding it in my hand. If I hold it for a couple minutes, it won't bother me. If I hold on to it for a couple hours, my arm will start to get tired. If I hold on to it for days, weeks, months, years, I'll start to become physically and emotionally drained, ill, stressed to the point that I can't function anymore. So then he went on to compare the glass of water to stresses in life that if you hold on to your stresses for a short, short amount of time, they won't bother you. If you hold on to them for a couple of hours, they'll start to weigh on you. And if you hold on to them for days, weeks, months, or years, that's when you physically can harm yourself. And then at the end of the piece, he puts down the glass of water and says, always remember, put the glass down. So since I've seen that, anytime that I've come into these situations, the first phrase that comes in my head is put the glass down. And I think that's something that hold, can hold true to everyone. You know, it's, it's not about the mistakes you've made. At that point, it, what's done is done. You've got to learn how to put it behind you, learn from it, and move on and, and see it as a growing experience. There's nothing else that you can do. And stress and worry and regret will do nothing but harm you in the long run. That is good stuff, Rob. Good stuff. I did see that video. and. Yeah, put the, you got to put the glass down. I mean, it'll yep. kill you in the long run. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. It reminds me of, um, so if our listeners I, uh, haven't seen the video Rob's talking about, uh, I guess it's like Yale professor, you know, put the glass down. If you Google that, something would come up. I'm, sh I'm sure, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely. But, but it reminds me of, yeah, it's, it's, I just Googled it. It's, it's like, it's the second video that comes up. If you Google, put the glass down, Yale professor. Um, 
but anyway, it as you were talking, like I couldn't help but think of Stephen Covey. Have you seen his video called Big Rocks? I don't think I have, no. Uh, if our listeners and you, Rob, it's a four-minute video, but basically this uh, uh, leadership, um, he's, he's written books. Uh, he's written that book, uh, Seven Traits of Highly Effective People. Uh, mm-hmm. Some may have heard of that, but he he's, teaches leadership, and he has a container, and he has different sized rocks and sand and water, and he brings a participant on the stage and says, fill up this, uh, this big jug. It's, um, you know, like a solo cup, but like five times the size. So, you know, a rock, like a, a rock that you would probably the size of like a softball, um, they would have written on them like family or a high priority item at work, like these really important things. So they took up the most room. And then on the smaller rocks, there were just little things like um, replying to an email or, um, um, you know, their little things mean different things to different people, but it could be just, you know, paying, paying your electric bill. Like um, there were just like these little items like that really made the people think like, how important is that? So anyway, the, the person she brought on stage uh, she started putting in family and and the different rocks and things that related to work. And uh, eventually it became all filled up. And he asked the audience, is, is this full? Um, and so they all said yes. But then he got the smaller pebbles and poured them in and asked, is this full? And they said yes. And he's, you know, then he got the sand and the sand filled all the little gaps between the pebbles, right? And that kind of filled in even more of the gaps between the bigger rocks. And then he asked him, is it filled up? And then the audience was catching on. They were like, oh, no. So then he picked up the water and the water really made everything settle in the bottom. You know, like you buy a bag of chips and it says contents made settle, you know, after shipping. And sure enough, the point was you start with the big rocks first, because if you try to put the big rocks in later, um, you've already worked you already put in your day the things that aren't urgent or aren't important. Um, but we tend to do those things first. So Big Rocks by Stephen Covey had a huge impact on me by, by delegating what I can't do or dropping something that's just not worth my time and just mm-hmm. focus on the things that you do. So that's a, that's a, a great, great way to put it, a great analogy. Um, I will tell you one more thing, Jared. Another recent within the last couple of years, that uh, thing that I learned that really impacted me, not only in my professional career, but my personal career, um, I was lucky enough, uh, my parents, you know, we were working throughout the day, doing a lot of the day to days of Garden State, uh, people management, making sure that the business is flowing. We didn't have much time to focus on our leadership skills. So we actually went out and we are uh, had been very good friends with um, someone local in Vineland, Paul Perino, and we actually hired him to come in as a business consultant. And Paul really worked hands-on with me um, for a couple of years. And one thing that he really focused on that has stuck with me and that I've passed down to employees that I manage is emotional competence. 
you know, a lot of people don't realize how much they struggle with emotional competence. I struggled with it and didn't realize it until Paul was teaching me this lesson. And a lot of it had to do with a person's cone of focus, uh, where you put your time and your energy. And he separated it into different quadrants, um, things that you can control, things that you have influence over, things that you have no influence and no control over. And it was all about really focusing your time and your energy on the things that you can control and the things that you can influence. Um, and on top of that, a lot of the focus was in regards to emotional competence. You know, you, you can control, you can't control your feelings. You can't, you cannot control how you feel at any certain time. The only thing that you can control is how you react to your feelings. Um, so, you know, these lessons that he taught me and that we've been able to instill in other employees have been extremely valuable. Uh, and I think that, you know, a lot of people could learn uh, to improve their, their selves, not only professionally, but personally at home by focusing on only those things that they have control over or influence outside of that. If you put time and energy into it, uh, there, there's, there's nothing you can do at the end of the day. So why stress? No, that jazzes me up, man. Those, those kind of leadership coaching, personal development coaching, believe it or not, um, some people have no internal resistance. Like they don't have that mental confidence uh, issue. You know, that's just like, hey, we're going to do what, whatever needs to get done to, to get my goal accomplished. Like there's no internal talk that they have to overcome. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of honorable because I know I battle with internal resistance when it comes to making a phone call or um, dealing with an issue that I just don't feel like dealing with, right? So sure. um, yeah, good stuff. And Paul's a great guy, uh, know him through the Chamber of Commerce and he is. Um, uh, yeah, really good guy. Can't say enough about him. Um, how, many, how many employees do you guys have now? Because um, the I last week, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say uh, that, you know, they, you, you said that once you've been part of the Garden State family, they kind of stay for a family, you know, forever. So even if they've went on other careers or retired, I feel like you have the culture where, hey, we're going to invite you back for the Christmas party. We're going to invite you back for someone else that you work with for 25 years, their retirement party. Like, it's like, is that true? And, and how many employees do you have? It is. Uh, so I think last I checked, we were around 65. We had more pre-COVID. We had um, lost quite a bit of employees uh, during COVID, when, especially in 2020 when it first hit. Uh, but we've worked our, our numbers back up to uh, approximately 65 employees. Uh, but yeah, just to speak on your point, uh, it is correct. We are one big happy family um, and employees that have left and, and gone on to other careers. We keep in touch. They come back and visit us. Um, sometimes they come back and work for us after they've left. So it's, it's gratifying to hear that we've built that environment. It's a difficult business. There's a lot of, um, red tape we have to deal with, especially working with contracts specifications. So it, it can be stressful. It's very fast paced, but I think the family environment and also, um, you know, we, we've created a, a loose, relaxed environment, you know, as long as we're getting work done and being efficient. Um, that's, that's our goal to keep it loose and light and to build relationships with our customers and, and our vendors. And, um, you know, it, it's gone a long way to 
improve employee morale throughout the building. Great. And what's one thing you're really excited about in your business these days? Is it a project? Is it a movie uh, set? Like you mentioned, Spider-Man 2. Is it, you know, what is it? What are you most excited about these days? Oh, man, we have, we've got a lot going on over there. I think some of the most exciting things that we're working on uh, outside of just, you know, sustainable growth of the business uh, we've got a couple products that are, are coming out that we're excited about. One that we've been working on for quite some time that uh, we're actually working with a, a very, very large or global recycling company to start using, um, we'll take electrical components. So your anything that's a refrigerator, computer, uh, television, things that agencies have a hard time recycling. Mm-hmm. And we can take that um, gut all of the wiring and components out and take the plastics and turn that into a very rigid yet flexible and durable sign substrate. So right now we're using aluminum. Uh, that aluminum, you know, obviously it's a metal. We're relying on uh, foreign countries to import the ingots into the United States where they could be melted down, turned into coils and stamped into you know, whatever shapes that they're trying to make, um, not only just for traffic signs, but anything that's made out of aluminum, whether it's shovels, car parts, whatever. Um, we're trying to find a solution where we could take, uh, you know, kill two birds with one stone to say that we are um, reducing our dependence on a, a metal that's coming from a foreign country into the United States and also reducing the amount of plastic wastes that end up just rotting on the surface of the planet or dumped in the oceans and turn that into a safer product that can be used on the roadways. This, this plastic product is very lightweight. Um, you know, the, the flexibility of it provides us with a lot more. Um, it's a value add uh, over the aluminum substrate that we're using now. Um, there's a lot of other properties about it that we're, we're excited on. And it's, it's probably we're down to the last year of development before we could start getting it tested and approved to be used hopefully throughout the world. Um, And we are proud to say that we've become the sole distributor for the entire country for this product when it is released on the market. That's good work right there. Um, You know, call it what you want, environmentalist or green conscious, you know, Maybe it's just the product of our generation, but anything that helps the sustainability uh, so we don't end up like, uh, did you ever see WALL-E? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they take off in a spaceship and leave all the junk on the planet behind for the robots to clean up. And it's like, are we headed that way unless we, we do something? So. Um, yeah, every every little bit helps. You know, it's it's not like it's gonna save the planet at the end of the day, but I think it's little projects like this, um, and even you see some great things that are happening with cleaning up the oceans. Um, you know, the the technology and the research that's coming out through the years is is obviously advancing at a rapid pace. Um, so I think it's important that every business can try to make some type of impact, even if it's a minor one, to try to help this, you know, change the tide and direction of this global crisis that we've been facing. Yeah. And that's a good segue. What's the most, what's the biggest challenge that you're facing at this time? I think I could speak for most business owners and if not just the United States, but the world, 
market instability has to be the the biggest issue. Um, you know, it, it's it's been difficult getting our hands on steel, aluminum, plastics, things that we're using every day to manufacture or distribute to customers, uh, things that are, are needed for for traveling the roadways. Um, our lead times have been, you know, getting longer because we're not getting the materials. And so that's, that's been uh, one of our biggest problems. Uh, pricing increases, a lot of contracts that we've been in, we've had to ask for escalations or um, even getting out of the contracts because we're no longer able to honor the prices. It, we've seen steel and aluminum prices increase sometimes 30% a month. So it's difficult for us to pass those costs on to our customers, but at the end of the day, we have no choice. Most of them are understanding. We're all living in the same world. We're all living in the same time frame. Um, so as long as you're turning on the news, you know you, you could see what's going on in current events. But um, you know those those two things are our biggest challenge. Um, labor market wasn't the best this past year. I know a lot of people have struggled the same way. We're starting to see a. a you know, it's, it's getting better, starting to turn around, not what it used to be, but it's, it's good to see some progress in that aspect. Hey, if it's private, it's, it's private and we'll just leave it at that. But I'm curious because, you know, I'm in the financial business. So part of that has to do with the, the stock market. So I follow a little bit of trades too, you know, imports, exports. And I know that we import a lot of aluminum from foreign countries and we import well, i think all of it is imported at least in the ingot form oh okay in the ingot so I that, that raw no. you know the raw material form yeah i'm not sure i know alcoa is they do a bunch of different things out of pittsburgh um yeah they do uh some aluminum maybe maybe other lines of business but i know they're in the u.s so they may not do the ingots but my question to you was do you have, have to deal with foreign exchange rates or does, does it get to a, um, uh, so one of your suppliers that's based in the U.S. or do you physically have to find uh, a seller from overseas? No, so uh, we are actually working with, in terms of the aluminum, we work with all of the large aluminum mills throughout the country. Okay. They're the ones that are bringing in the ingots converting it to coils and then stamping it into the shapes and sizes that, that we, we need for our sign production. Understood. Um, we do sell over 10,000 SKUs. I mean, we've got a lot of products, pretty much anything that touches the road from cones, drums, barricades. Um, all of those suppliers are US based or they at least have uh, facilities in the United States if they're headquartered you know, overseas. Um, so not everything that we're purchasing originates in the United States, but we do deal with all United States vendors. So, you know, everyone that we're talking to is, is in the country. There's also a, a big thing in our industry for buy American products. So one of our biggest priorities is to make sure that we're sourcing <laughs> products that were made in the United States. Great. Uh, more good work. And here I am just talking about, you know, aluminum and road signs. You know, the company is called Garden State Highway Products. So thank you for including that. It's anything that touches the road. Yes. Cones, right. And what are, what are some other lines that you produce? Uh, one of the things that 
I am most excited about um, in our business. I love, love dealing with our intelligent warning systems. So we deal with solar powered stop signs, pedestrian crossings. Um, I actually a couple of years ago worked on a project in Sea Isle where we did a flood detection system uh, where the, there were sensors put in the roadway that activated flashing signs that were in each direction and it would send a text message and an email to the police department to let them know that the roadways are flooded, had cameras set up on it, so then they could log into the system and see that there was an active flood uh, and not you know, a fire hydrant that was getting uh, drained out by the, the fire department. Um, so you know, we'll sell you a static stop sign or I can take it to the next level and, and sell you a solar product that's, that's flashing. Um, we do a lot of equipment sales. Um, I love dealing with equipment as well. Um, when I say that, I mean like the message boards you see on the side of roads or arrow boards that are used in construction sites. Um, and we do a lot of, of work with painting contractors. So the, the contractors that are putting down the, the paint on the road, um, we'll sell them their equipment and the paint or the thermoplastic to use it. So it, it's really, I mean, like I said, anything that touches the road, um, I don't know how long you have me for because I could talk about this stuff for days. So <laughs> there, there's, um, we offer a lot, but at the end of the day, um, what makes us who we are is, is the people that we have on the other side of the phone and the other side of the computer dealing with the customers. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, Rob. And yeah, I don't want to take up your whole day. You're a busy guy. This has been great. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, hey, I, I'm in no, I'm in no rush, Jared. <laughs> good. Well, then, um, yeah, let's, let's just keep it flowing. Cause I'm just kind of thinking, um, like there's the signs when I'm on 55 and the, the big exit signs, but then I'm thinking like smaller when you mentioned the like sea aisle and the, the crossing section, I'm thinking like, man, stopped at a red light today and I noticed a sign like flood evacuation route. I noticed this, you know, I'm in the parking lot at, at the office and it's the handicap signs. Uh, we have a railroad right here in Millville uh, in Vineland, but Millville is close to uh, right around the corner from my office. And, you know, the, the railroad signs, I mean, it's almost like <laughs> to your point about driver's ed, there's so many signs to warn or at least proactively try to keep drivers safe like i'm thinking uh bridge may freeze before the road right um uh the the trucks when they're going downhill to you know the five six axle trucks whatever they are the tractor trailers you know to downshift right on the, the percentage degrade of the hill i mean it's almost endless it is and and to add to your point i mean there are so many signs at the end of the day their their sole purpose is to get us where we need to go but even more importantly is the safety aspect yeah they're there to keep us safe on the roadways um you, you brought up a great example of bridge may ice before roadway um you know if that sign wasn't there the amount of the safety issues that would be at play and the liability on the agency that's in charge of that roadway is massive. Mm. You know, there look at look at the, the fatality rates that we're seeing on the roadways, especially um, wrong way driving accidents are, are steadily increasing every year. Um, pedestrian fatalities are seem to be increasing every year. 
so you know there are a lot of signs i've actually seen a lot of feedback like on our facebook posts and things like that where people complain about the amount of signs that are out there there's a method to the madness at the end of the day uh, they're there to get you where you need to go and to get you there safe you don't have enough better things to do in the day than complain about the number of signs <laughs> No, no, not at all. Not that's, at all. <laughs> that's, that's amazing to me. Here I am in all of the amount of signs. You got people complaining there. There's too many. Um, yep. Rob, self-driving cars have any impact on the types of signs or, you know, this new innovative product that you have releasing? Um, it, can these self-driving cars see the signs, detect the signs, read the signs? And you how it. will they impact your business? Yeah, so the the sheeting, the reflective sheeting that gets coated onto the aluminum, mm -hmm. um, that is actually the, the big manufacturers in the industry are beginning to put some type of QR code or some type of registration code embedded in the sheeting. So the autonomous vehicles are able to read and identify what that traffic sign is. If it's a speed limit sign, if there's a work zone coming up, um, so the technology is there, it's being tested, and it's something that, you know, as a business that's in this industry, we're gearing ourselves up for. Uh, you know, technology is constantly evolving, and it's important for every business, and, and even personally, you know, it's, it's important for people to try to stay up with technology as much as they can, absorb as much as they can to stay ahead of that curve. In a business aspect, it, it puts you in the driver's seat, um, you know, for, sustainable growth, profitability, um, and it gives you that advantage over, you know, potential competition um, to make sure that your signs are the latest and greatest being put out in the field. Yeah. So I'm just curious, um, when you say the big manufacturers or the big producers, um, uh, do you guys consider yourself one of the, the top in the country um, or or is that a goal? And like what justifies, like what makes you say the word big? Like so when I was referring to big, that, that was for the sheeting manufacturers. So that's like 3M, Avery Dennison, you know, multi-billion dollar companies that are in various industries. One of them happened to be manufacturing reflective sheeting or other products that, that go on the roadways. Gotcha. But to steer back to um, our business, we are the East Coast's largest privately owned sign manufacturer. Uh, wow. There are other, there are other so one companies. Second, East Coast's largest privately owned sign manufacturer. Yes, correct. Correct. I, I couldn't let that just go without restating it, but go ahead. Yeah, it's something that we're, we're very proud of. Um, but we've, we do have a lot of uh, competition out there. Um, a lot of great people that are running the, these businesses that we network with and try to help each other out, um, especially with the way freight costs are. Um, they might help us fill orders in areas where freight has just priced this out. Um, but, you know, one thing that is really gratifying is when we have like the 3M reps or the Avery reps, basically people come in that have been to every sign shop in the country. And they, when they walk into our shop and the feedback that we're getting is that it's the largest, most well-kept most high-tech shop that they've been in. Uh, it makes us feel really good about, you know, what we've done to grow the business to where it is today. And it gets us even more excited about the future. Yeah. Well, 
like I said, this has been great. I can't wait to have you back in the future to talk about, you know, where you where you stand at that at that time because um, it's a fast moving market. Uh, to your point, um, I don't know if the word you used was it unstable market. What was the phrase you used as far as the risk to your business? Um, was it unstable? I forget. <laughs> Well, as you know, uh, market's always changing and it is. You know, it's fast and rapidly moving. So, um, you know, who knows what a year from now, you know, this looks like we could be, you know, talking about something completely different, right? Um, I know hopefully, from the side hopefully, conversation. Hopefully not the next COVID variant. Uh, I'm over it, man. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I'm over it. Um, but yeah, man, this has been great. I appreciate you coming on and, uh, yeah, just thank you. Any parting shots or uh, things you want to leave our listener with? Uh, you know, I just think uh, just to recap on a couple of things we talked about. Um, if there's anything I can leave people with today, it's to put the glass down. Yeah, we appreciate that. That's a great message. Um, this is that I'm going to just I'll 